Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today, I am sitting down with Kamal Ravikant, an incredible author, founder, venture capitalist, and much more. Thanks so much for coming on, Kamal. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I've been looking forward to this. I know um, our good friend Dan Fleischman put us in touch, and we're here in Vegas at the Blue Wire Studio. I really appreciate you coming out to, to have a conversation with me. Well, it was an easy Uber ride. So, <laughs> yeah, Of course. Yeah, actually, I'm a little nervous because it's my first podcast I'm doing in quite a while. So, yeah. You know, go easy on me. Hey, no, we'll do it. I've... Actually, don't. <laughs> don't go easy on me. No, Ask I, me the hard stuff. I think, dude, like, just to kick off the conversation, as you said, you know, you've taken some time off social media, but to, to dive into, you know, your background and your story for, for those that are watching this that may not have too much background on, you know, your background as an author and a venture capitalist, I'd love for you to give just a high level overview of, you know, your journey and how you got to where you are today. High level, it's like, it's a very random, you know, it's only when you look back and you see the points connect, right? So, uh, immigrant child, grew up outside of New York City, single mom, two boys, uh, grew up in nothing, and then went to college for a year, um, was bored out of my mind, so instead I joined the army, and I was a soldier in the 10th Mountain, and then um, went to college after that, and then kind of backpacked around the world on nothing, and which was an incredible experience, you know, like being in countries where you don't speak the language, and you're living on two or three dollars a day, I'm not talking about Thailand, I'm talking about like Europe, you know, yeah. like I was living in... I was backpacking to Spain. I think my budget was like two or three dollars a day. So all I could afford was a bottle of wine, a loaf of bread, and cheese. You know, and I would oh just sleep goodness. in wheat fields and ruined castles and things like that. Incredible experience. And um, then got into writing and um, moved out to Silicon Valley and uh, started building companies. And and uh, you know, we we're talking about the story last night about how that happened. My brother was out there and. Yeah. Uh, he messaged me. He's like, look, you know, what are you doing out? And I was in upstate New York. He's like, what are you doing freezing your butt off? Come out here. We're creating the future. Yeah. And I remember I was really nervous. And, you know, it was it was because I was like, I'm not qualified for this. Like, what <laughs> is, But at that point, no one was. You we yeah. were just making it up. And I was at the gym, a girl's gym, and I was talking to a buddy of mine about this dilemma. Should I do it? And he said, come on, leap, and the net will appear. And I thought about it. I'm like, all right. So I sold everything I had, which wasn't much. And bought a one-way ticket to uh, California, went out, and changed my life. I ended up joining Startup and helped build that. That one became a public company. And then it was just, I got known in that company as the can-do kid because it was never, we were doing everything, like there was nothing set. It was like, oh, we got to, 
the market's crashing. We got to be a public now. We got to figure out how to monetize <laughs> this thing. All right, come on, I'll figure it out. You're in charge of monetizing. You know, like yeah. it was, it was an incredible experience. And for someone who's very, who doesn't like doing one thing, startups are the, are the best thing. Yeah. You know, and I think I found my calling there. Totally. When you first landed in Silicon Valley, um, like, what was your expectation when it comes to walking into this new tech ecosystem that you weren't familiar with? Honestly, I was very intimidated. You know, there were all these people, everyone was flying quite high. It was like the dot-com boom. Every, yeah. Everyone, their secretary was getting really rich. <laughs> and it's like, well, why should we hire you? Like, I was an engineer, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I learned some HTML and stuff, basic, basic stuff, but not enough to be an engineer. And uh, I did run into that. Why should we hire you? Until eventually I convinced one company to hire me. And I think the person who hired me saw that. She's like, this guy will do anything. He'll learn it, right? Yeah. And Often that's the best thing you can do when having been now having hired people in my, you know, in my career, you don't necessarily look, the skill is not the most important thing. It's the most important thing is, well, this is someone who's a doer and yeah. they'll figure it out. A self-starter. Yeah. Right? Or a doer. Yeah. You know, they'll just take the ball and run with it. They don't have to start the game. Yeah. And turns out I really enjoyed it, you know, and I liked the challenge of like figuring things out and there was no right or wrong. It was just like trying out solutions, which is entrepreneurship in a nutshell, yeah. which is probably making more mistakes than not and then fixing them. Yeah. And, uh, but it was very intimidating. Yeah. It was very intimidating. And I almost quit like wow. right before I really? got, got a job and in a, in a company, I was like, okay, this is, I tried this. This is, you know, it's not for me. I'm going to move back. And, and, and right before I left, I got a job and it, it was great. And that allowed me to like grow and, yeah. I kind of had fun my calling, uh, one of my callings, right? Totally. Yeah, when, when, you, when you talk about like venture capital and, and being in tech, you've had an incredible career in that space on both sides. Um, where do you spend your time now? I know you've made some incredible investments over the years. Uh, how, where do you spend your time investing? And what, when was that transitional period for you? That transitional period was um, after I built my last company and it exploded and I lost everything. And uh, this is when I self-funded and a mistake. And I, should, I mean, and I took money near the end, but by then I had spent every dime I'd saved in over a decade. Right? Wow. And I remember I was making payroll of credit cards and, you know, I'd convince all these people to give up other opportunities and join my crazy journey and it didn't work out. And that was really hard. Um, but I was talking to my brother after that and uh, we were driving to see our mom and I was like, look, I don't feel like starting on the company because to, to, to start a company, you have to want to solve a problem. And I'm like, there's no problems I really feel like solving right now. So maybe I'll go like be VP of something somewhere, you know, just yeah, like, totally. you know, I get a, get a, you know, I have the experience to go punch a clock somewhere and vest at a big company or whatever. And he's like, look, you're always getting your friends into deals in the, you know, from outside the Valley into deals. And you're always helping entrepreneurs. You're helping them connect with investors or connect with like people that could really help them and so forth. He's like, you're basically a VC, <laughs> but without making any money out of it. He's like, why don't you just formalize that? Go yeah. to your friends who want to get in a deal, say, great, you want to be in the deals? I'm going to get you in them officially and we'll start a fund. And, and you know, now you can help the entrepreneurs. We also get a little small piece. And, you know, so it can be really meaningful. So I thought about it. I realized there is a problem I wanted to solve. And it's less so now, but still pretty prevalent, which is back in the day, VCs always used to say, oh, I'm going to be like value at value at and value. I would be like a random call telling you, hey, 
have you thought about this idea I had last night in the shower? Yeah. You're like, yeah, my talent engineering team never would have thought of that. Thank you for yeah. your, you know. And I realized what I needed as a CEO, as a founder, was simple. Call me and ask me what my pain points are and solve them for me. Call me if I say I need 100 new customers, get me those customers. You know, like really, yeah. like just measurable stuff. If I need to deal with Visa, go through a network and figure out who knows the CEO of Visa and get me in touch. So I very carefully selected like friends of mine who had the connections outside of myself yep. and they became LPs. And the whole thing was the deal was I'll get you in these deals. But if you get a call from me, you got to put everything down and get on, those, get on the phone with the founder and help them. So like I created like a network of very friendly LPs who were really good at very different things. And turns that model worked really well, yep. you know, and and it was the same thing like entrepreneurship. I'd never been part of a fund. You know, yeah. one way you can do is go join a fund. And I'm not a I'm not a worker. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like a terrible employee. Like I'll probably get fired right away, which uh, is why I start stuff. Yeah. Um, even in the army, I was the guy I was raising. But what if you do it this way? <laughs> I used to get in trouble yeah. all the time. So. So I slowly built it up, slowly built it up, and next thing I knew I was investing. And then just like an entrepreneur, you learn by doing, you know? And I was fortunate that I had a really good network in the Valley, which became better and better now that I had money to spend, Yeah. right? And I, I want to dive into that. When you talk about building a network, you're, you have a very vast, extensive network in the Valley, as you said. What would your, like looking back, how do you recommend someone build an incredible network? I know for me, as you know, we're sitting here on the podcast, this has been my gateway to build a network, but what's your advice to young founders that are looking to go build their network for, you know, potential deal flow down the road or just to um, bring more value to their business overall? That's a great question. Um, you know, I was reading a tweet, it was by my brother actually today, and he, he was saying like, instead of, instead of asking, how can I help? Just help. <laughs> he said everyone <laughs> reaches out how that. can I help right that's yeah. kind of lazy the ones who stand out who's like hey I did this for you yeah no I don't need anything here you know um, the best way you can stand out is by being a doer by solving people's pain points and that's it and not requiring anything say hey I did this for you have a nice life yeah or you know let's have coffee sometime that's it and people will notice because you know we all get a lot of inbound cold emails hey looking for a mentor or hey yeah. you know i have this idea could you fund it while i figure it out like no like um one only has so much attention and so much money right yeah. so and also the best thing is really you stand out by either creating something of value that the people on the other side want to be a part of for example you have a network now of as a podcaster you have an audience so people yep. want to be a part of this. That's how you get guests. Yeah. But you started off with no audience, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she was talking about how, uh, very simple, she's a lash technician, right? She's very good at, at doing women's lashes. She's very passionate about it. It's actually pretty, pretty involved once I, was, I asked her about it, and she's very, very good. And she moved here to Vegas, and she's trying to start her business. And what she did was she got her business card. She had 300 business cards printed. This went to a parking lot and just put them on the car. And I was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. And she didn't listen, right? Yeah. So next time we met up, I was like, how did that go? She was like, well, I got one person, but they wanted a free. <laughs> I was like, what you got to do is you got to go to where your customers are. Same thing with, with this, right? Or give them something they need, right? So I told her, like, look, next time there's like, a, like one of these big beach clubs here, uh, these pool clubs are doing an audition for the, the women who work in the pool who get paid really well. 
there'll be like 500 or 1,000 women out there waiting in line. And they all care about beauty, right? Just <laughs> oh, go there and talk to them and give them your card. Like, it's really, you, you, yeah. know, you know, go to where your customers are and give them what they need, you know, like, and, and show your passion. So I don't think there's a, I mean, look, if there was a simple answer, um, everybody would be doing it. Yeah, it's either create absolutely. something that people want to be a part of, which is step by step by step, like starting a business, like, like she is, right? Now she's going to go and do, I'm very curious how, what her yeah, conversion great. rate will be, right? Yeah, I, totally. I bet she'll be way better than yeah. before, right? And she also said like, look, but I'm really scared. I'll choke. And I was like, look, um, she actually met her because she was a fan of well, my, Love Yourself, yeah. my Love Yourself book. And I was like, look, you have no idea how much I choke putting it out. I was terrified and I almost didn't put that book out to the world. Wow. And I met her because she was telling me it saved her life, right? So she reached out to me. Um, and I'm like, look, it's okay to choke. It's okay, you know, especially if you're around people that you think are a different level than your higher level than you when you're younger, you tend to yeah. think that, you know, which is not the case, by the <laughs> way. Like everyone's <laughs> a shit show in their mind. Um, you, you know, it's just, it's okay to choke. It's okay to like be afraid, but you just go through it. And by yeah. the fifth or 10th time, even if you fail spectacularly, right, you'll learn, oh, I didn't die. Your brain will learn, oh, that wasn't horrible, and it'll adapt. Yeah. And you will fix those problems, and your sales pitch will get better and better, and that, that's the only way, right? Absolutely. So whether if you're cold calling or you're doing a podcast or whatever, it's create either give value or rather than asking, how can I be of value to you? I hate that question. People, random people <laughs> ask, how can I be of value to you? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do I need today? I need yeah. um, just be of value or create something where others will want to be part of that value. Yeah. I love that answer. Um, speaking on loving yourself, I know your book, Love Yourself, is an international hit. Where did this concept come from? And, and A, why that title? And, and what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, funny, I never set out to write that book. You know, like, so I trained myself for like a decade to be a f literary fiction writer. I want to write the kind of books that you read in, you know, like, oh my God, this is like, Hem I studied, obsessively studied the grace, like Hemingway and so forth. Yeah. And I got to be a very good writer. But I didn't at that time have a story, the right story to tell. And the story to tell point of happened as because of when I lost everything. And, and I was really at a, a severe low point. And, and I lost everyone's money. I'd, I'd lost my, you know, I'd, you know, my employees had given up great careers, like great offers from other companies to go for my crazy dream. You know, they'd given that up. I felt it was, it was a real low point. And um, I... I started to work on my inside. A friend of mine had given this one piece of advice. He said, look, life is from the inside out. And I've really come to believe it is. He said, when, whatever you are, you have to work on your inside. Your inside reflects on the outside. However you believe the nature of reality is, I mean, that's a whole different podcast yeah. in itself, <laughs> right? Maybe, uh, uh, but even if it's just to, to make yourself the kind of person that takes certain kind of actions. So... When I was so miserable and feeling terrible about myself and hating myself and like being like the absolute biggest failure in the world and all that, um, I just one morning, one night or one morning, I don't remember, I was like miserable and I crawled over, well, got over, walked over, but it felt like a crawl um, to my desk. And I was like frustrated. I was like, I'm done. I yeah. cannot feel like this. this. This is, I can't, you can't live feeling like this for long. It's just a sucky way to be. Yeah, totally. And I have a journal on my desk and I wrote down a vow to myself. And I'm a big believer in the power of commitment to oneself. Um, I believe if you make commitment to yourself, do your best to keep it. You'll fail, 
but then get bad at it. Get at it. None of us are perfect, right? Yep. And I wrote a and a vow is a is a the ultimate commitment. You know, there's the marriage vow. Yeah. Well, imagine a vow to yourself. And I made a vow, and I was gonna write down something like I don't know to get better or to feel better, whatever. And what came out was a vow to love myself. I don't know where that came from. Wow. Loving yourself. This came out. Came out. It came from somewhere deep. And it was like it's in the. I mean, the vow is more poetic than I'm describing. Yeah. It was really. It, and if I looked at it when I was done, I stared at it for I don't know how long. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell did I just write? And and how do I do this? Now, me being me, who's written a book on it, did not go and try to find books on it <laughs> or or watch YouTube videos or whatever. Yeah. I just sat around and tried to figure out how to do it. And I had a background in clinical um, clinical trials, so I kind of like started running clinical trials in my head. Just started doing things inside because I remember that thing, life is from the inside out. Okay, let me really apply it. Mm-hmm. And, and I started doing things inside and I would notice how that would shift my state of being. And if it did, I went for that a rabbit hole. If it stopped at any point, I threw it away. I didn't care. I had no... What were like, a couple of these experiments? To- well, they were everything random to walking around, saying something loudly to myself or saying things to myself or making myself feel a little way certain way feeling light come in trying to do yeah. different meditations i my company everything. my company had blown up i had no money and nothing to do i was when, <laughs> when was this in terms of like timeline uh a decade ago okay yeah literally about a decade ago and what i noticed was certain things started to work and i went deeper and deeper and so i just went deep and until like my my internal had shifted it became almost it became a practice like going to the gym i was just doing it regularly and I noticed it started to do what it's on its own. Right? I didn't have to work so hard at it, which kind of makes sense. You know, neurons <laughs> that fire together, wire together, a thing yeah. in neuroscience. And what really blew my mind was, after a while, I started to notice like life started to get better on its own. You know, I wasn't really going out and rag with people, but things started to come to me. And I was like, all right, well, this is interesting. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'll go with it. And it really changed everything around. And so I remember talking to an old co-founder of mine who was going through a hard time. He's in England about a month, a couple of months later. And he was telling me he was going through a hard time. I'm like, no, dude, I figured it out. I figured it out. I have the secret of reality. Like, look, look, I'll tell you. So I wrote up something. I sent it to him. And he started applying it. It really helped him. And then I shared a couple other friends and helped them. At the end, I, a friend of mine convinced me to write it because he knew I'm, I can write. He's like, write as a short book. Put it out. And I was terrified. I wrote it because it gave him my word. Once again, commitment. Yeah, and I believe absolutely. Pray. And then he said, his name's James Altucher. You know, yeah, dear totally. friend. Yeah, great yeah. guy. Um, he said, you know, put it out. And uh, and I did. And then, then I hid underneath the t- underneath the desk for like, because I was terrified. That title was Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On. It came from a talk I gave. Wow. Uh, where I was also very being very honest. And and uh i'm curious because i know like last night we were talking about internal fears whether that's like on the back of a motorcycle like where did that internal feel fear come from when it comes to publishing your book oh man i was terrified i was going to destroy my career in silicon valley really? i thought i was going to be the biggest laughing stock man here i am wow. complete failure in my mind right yeah at least thinking that way and here i am writing this book a little book you know, saying, hey, I'm cool now with this little love yourself thing. This is, no one was talking about inner work in Silicon Valley at the time, Yeah. right? And so what was really interesting was within a month, I had self-published it, the original version. HarperCollins published uh, a much more updated version in 2020. Uh, it was a number one self-help book on Amazon. That's and incredible. it was all of a sudden everywhere on Facebook, everyone sharing it. You know why? 
because I was honest. And what I did was I didn't sit there and give someone my journal. I don't want to read someone doing terrible. That's great. Yeah. What I did was I said very quickly, like, here's where I was, but here's what I did. And here's where I got. And here's where I did step by step. And because we all have the same human brain, just try it. Yep. And people didn't work for them. Um, that's where it came from. That's incredible. It changed my life. Yeah. You know? All this time, I was trying to put myself as a, on the map as a writer. I was building companies by nights and weekends. I was writing and studying and going to workshops and becoming a better, better writer. And then life gave me an incident that I had to share with the world. Or I was actually kind of drag, drag kicking and screaming <laughs> to the world. And that put me on the map as a writer. Yeah. It's kind of funny how it works. That is so cool. When you look back on publishing that book and what has come from that, I know you were telling me stories last night just about the impact you've felt and the, the people that have came up to you and told you how it's changed your life. Like, what does that mean to you? And, and what does, you know, the purpose, uh, how does it feel knowing that you're impacting so many lives out there? Honestly, I don't sit around and think about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, kind of yeah. strange. Yeah. You know, I do respond to my readers when they email me. I always put my email address in my books. Sometimes they may get an email a couple of months from that, you know, just because I have a life and oh, I get right. caught up in stuff. Um, what my, what's really interesting is there's a part of me that stays detached from it, but every once in a while I let myself feel it because you can't just sit there. At least I don't sit there. Oh, my God, pat myself on the back all day long because I want to work on the next thing. What else have I learned? What else can I put out? You know, or what do I want to do for my life? I don't really sit around and pat myself on the back for the past. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, so it's strange, but when I meet people in person and they tell me that, that's very humbling. And it's just like, I feel so grateful to them. <laughs> like I've had people burst in tears. Yeah. Tell me about it. That story I told you yesterday, we'll keep the name confidential, but it's like, CEO of, and the founder and CEO who built this company from nothing, one of the largest public companies in the world, yeah. coming to me at a private party and everyone's trying to talk to him, he comes up to <laughs> me and tells me your book helped me at a, at a time when I needed it. I mean, yeah. that just leaves me speechless. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like, can I have some shares? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Totally. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's uh, as you know, like, look, you're putting content in it. Let's call it content, yeah. right? But it's, it's very from the heart. It's very real. It's you content out to the world. The, the way the world responds, what I found is when you're doing it real is way more than you gave. Like this last Absolutely. version, I spent a year working on it. I was very obsessed in getting it all out and right. But the emails I get are like incredible and heartwarming and heartbreaking. It tells me like, look, and from all over the world, yeah. right? Um, that's, you can't, you can't engineer that. You can't viral loop that or whatever from that heartfelt stuff. You know, you yeah. just got to do the real stuff and put it out, put it out. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, I want to switch gears a little bit and like, talking about the future and, you know, you're a venture capitalist, you're investing in different companies. Where, like, where do you, what excites you the most moving into the future and where you're investing, right? Like a lot of people talk about crypto, Web3. Like, are you looking in that direction or Very wh much. what do you think about you know, where the future's heading? You know, I'm a... I'm a huge fan of tech, obviously. Tech yeah. is what changed, you know, tech and writing changed my life. And tech is, um, tech is, I, you know, it's, it's not going away. It's just yeah. taking more and more of the world. You know, the software is eating the world, like Mark Andreessen said. So for me, when I got into crypto, it was just an evolution in tech. Yeah. That's why I got into it, right? And then I think crypto is the, the evolution of the tech. And I think it's as big, if not bigger, than the internet, uh, which I found, you know, like having been lucky enough to be, I wasn't super early, but latter part of the dot-com boom, mm -hmm. right? And see what 
we were trying to create then versus what exists now. Yeah. That's the same thing I see happening with crypto, but much faster and global. And also because there's so much money, people can make so much money, there's no better incentive. Yeah. Right? There's a, all these Ponzi schemes and garbage and like terrible projects. But amongst there, there are shining diamonds that will last through and will be the next. And I think it's actually crypto and Web3, however one wants to define Web3 and very early, is actually fulfilling the, fulfilling the promise of the internet. But you don't have just like four gatekeepers, Google, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, whatever, you know, um, controlling you and your identity. It's going to be like the whole, it wasn't supposed to be that way, yeah. right? Um, yeah. That was Web 2.0. Yeah, I mean, literally, totally. that's, that's what the internet has become. And so that's the exciting part. It's, I think it's, it's going to help fulfill the dream of the original internet. Yeah. A decentralized landscape, everyone owns yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's not all roses. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be all positive, but I think it's got just like the internet's what you what you use it for. Yeah, what people use it for. But I'd rather give the individual the power over their choices of what to use it for than have a large entity with shareholders who care about profit only to decide for them. Totally. What's your thoughts on like VR specifically? What what Meta's doing with Oculus and everything in that ballpark? Um, look, it's going to be the future. I think they haven't hit it yet. I have an Oculus, which I loved when I tried it, but never use it again. Um, Very similar to me. I got it. I yeah, used it a couple of times and yeah. I, I mixed it up. It's not there yet. The tech's yeah. not there yet. It will be. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at the progress they've made. I think the, the, the next breakthrough is going to be when Apple comes out with, I think, the AR glasses. You know, like I think AR, augmented reality, is much bigger VR needs to yeah. get to a point where your brain doesn't rebel against it. <laughs> like AR is just a layer on top of what you see. Yep. That's going to be huge. That's going to be massive. And I think Apple, given their dominance with the iPhone, when they come out with something, and they usually wait till they get it right. Yeah. They're never first to market, right? <laughs> or maybe the sometimes they have the iPhone they were. Yeah. But when they come, they've like really done a lot of work. And what they have is polished enough that the masses will adopt it. Yep. We'll all run out to Apple yeah, and get yeah. Here's my the money. Apple glasses or whatever. Yeah, it is. here's my money. Please take it. Yeah. So that's where I think the next uh, it's gonna be not VR. Got it. No, that's very insightful and interesting. Um, when you think about like early tech days versus the, the where the you know world is today, dot com boom to comparing it to Web three. What are some of the things you would recommend people like younger that didn't live in that dot com boom to look out for if they're looking to make investments and to get into different companies or just look at the landscape? Um, you know, like what I, I'll tell you what I do. I never invest in what I don't know. If I'm going to invest in a certain space that I don't know it, I learn it because yeah. otherwise you're gambling. Either you're investing or you're gambling. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> if you want to make money regularly and you want to make a lot of it, invest. Gambling, most of you will lose. Like I turn on deals all the time because I'll be like, sorry, I'm not qualified for this deal. Yeah. Like I just, unless... I have other investors in that deal who I, I know their true records, and that's what's on LinkedIn or whatever, right? <laughs> and I know the way they are, the way they think, and I can call them, and they can do the due diligence. I'll go on their diligence. Yeah. But if it's just something I don't know because it looks hot and cool or whatever, I don't do it. So I would, I would recommend if you want to invest in a certain space, in, a, in the modern day, you have YouTube. You have literally just with YouTube, you can learn anything you want to learn. You know, and totally. 
I've done that for myself. Yep. You know, like <laughs> I'll get passionate about something. I'll, all I'll do is just watch YouTube videos. And next, within a week or two, I know more than probably 80% of people in this. And thanks, it's just people, sh or YouTube and Reddit. I yeah. love Reddit. Yeah, yeah. You know, no matter what coaching you have, you can go <laughs> find a subreddit somewhere. <laughs> And some and dude in his mom's yeah, some dude in his mom's basement will give you the exact answer. I yeah. love Reddit for that. Yeah, um, you know, just just educate yourself and know because whether if you don't know the space, you don't know the right questions to ask. You don't know what to look out for, you know. And in in any space, there's a lot of people and who don't know what they're doing. So you want to invest in the people who know what they're doing and actually you you believe in what they're going to do. And also maybe you can help. Yeah. So if you get investing, know the space and the fact that. Oh, I don't know anyone in tech. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't understand it. It's not an excuse anymore. Yeah. It used to be at one point. And then there's platforms like Republic where you can go as, you don't need to be a credit. Yeah, I, I know. Kendrick Nugan. Yeah, Kendrick. Yeah. He's a dear friend. He's awesome. I'm actually an advisor. I, I'm a big. Uh, Republic? Big, yeah, I'm a big I, fan. I love, yeah. I, um, he's, like, he's an investor in Media Kits as well. Like, no kidding. Yeah, no, Kendrick's awesome. I, um, I love Republic and what they're doing. I've recommended it to a lot of founders out yeah, there. Yeah, like, you know, otherwise, to get the kind of deals I do, you have to be a credit investor, yeah. right? And a lot of young people aren't. And so, but Republic, Kendra set out to create the platform that his yep. mom and dad could invest in. Yep. You know, so they could have the opportunities that only, like, the Silicon Valley elites had. Yep. I'm a huge fan of the mission. Yeah, I love their, uh, I had Janine Yorio on the show as well. From the, she was the head of Republic, I think she is the head of Republic Real Estate. Now, okay. like, the, 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 uh, the Web3 side as well. But yeah, their whole team is incredible. Yeah. So shout yeah, out to very, Republic. <laughs> very passionate, very mission-driven. And yes. that's actually rare. You know, I've been to the offices many times in New okay. York and you walk in and you're like, you feel the buzz, you feel the excitement. And they all, when you talk to them, they're, they care about the mission of just bringing yeah. this to the masses. And also they care a lot about minorities and women getting involved and so forth. Yep. It's, it's really, really special. Totally. I love that. Um, speaking of that, from your experience of investing in companies and being a part of very successful organizations, what what do you think creates great culture inside of an organization and how can founders utilize that if they're starting today? You know, honestly, I think the cultures are cultures are often a reflection of the founders. So it's up to the founders. You got to yeah. step up. And there's a, there's a lesson I learned when I was 18. I think it's one of the best business lessons I ever learned. Okay. So... Um, I was uh, when I joined the army, and I went to Fort. They took me to Fort Benning, Georgia, and shaved my head. And I said, "Welcome, <laughs> you're ours now. We own you now, right?" And wow. and um, you're going in, and there's a statue, a very famous statue, because it's uh, Fort Benning is the home of the infantry. That's where you train for infantry and airborne, and special forces for for um, army special forces. Uh, and there's a very famous statue of an infantryman in World War II, and he's carrying his rifle, and he's going this way. Right? He's just leading, going on a charge. And it just says, follow me. It doesn't say, uh, go ahead and I'll follow. <laughs> you know, and I realized that is a secret to leadership and the secret to creating a culture, the secret to team building anything is follow me. You're the example. Yeah. You're the grown-up. One thing you learn having employees is that you're the dad, you're the priest, you're the mom, you're the grown-up, yet and also you're the captain of the ship. Yeah. It's so, but you got to step up to it. That means you got to be better than you ever were before and constantly work on it. You want to create a great culture, you, you can't expect your team to do it for you. People won't. Yep. You know, there's the principal agent problem. It's, it's always like, but people will look up to you and they will follow that. So very often you'll see um, the culture is a reflection of the founders and especially long-term founders who stay. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. <clears throat> um, thinking... 
you know, you've had an incredible, let's say the last 10 plus years and you talk about loving yourself now. How do you take those principles and apply them to your day-to-day life now and, and what fulfills you um, in your life today? Well, look, I live, I eat my own dog food. I do the practice, <laughs> all the inner work, you know, I'm very big on that. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today. I was telling him like, like I don't even rec- if my mind inside, I don't recognize, if I ran into myself two years ago, I wouldn't recognize my inside. <laughs> I'm always working to be yeah. better in the inside. Um, so that's, that's one big thing in loving myself, you know, because I'm always working to be better no matter what. Um, but then also the choices I make. So right now in a place in life where the choices I made, I've made are, I'm just going to have experiences. I'm going to spend money on experiences. So like right now, if anyone comes to Las Vegas, you got to try this. <laughs> Though, you know, it's pretty selective. I'm training with a former Navy SEAL team, a six, team six guy named Steve Sanders. Incredible, like six bronze stars for Valor, wow. one silver star for Valor in combat. I guess high value targets. I think he spent like 20 something years in the teams, like 10 years of SEAL Team Six. Yeah. Like he's been in hundreds of firefights, very humble, very no nonsense. And I'm studying combat shooting with him. And it's like learning martial arts from a true master. And I love doing things like that. That's a, you know, for everyone's got their own definition of what will fulfill them. And for me, it's learning from masters. Yeah. I love it. And if you ever come to Vegas, uh, look him up. I think his site is sixshooters.com. And he, he doesn't take like the average person. Yeah. He's like, you have to be committed. And he really likes me because I'm very committed. I'm like, you're sensei. I'm just here <laughs> to learn. I'm the student. Yes. You know, like, um, but fun, I, I, that's the kind of stuff I'm doing right now, the experiences where I'm learning. I love doing yeah. that. Yeah. Love that. A um, couple more questions before we wrap up here, Kamal. Uh, what would be, if you were to go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice in business or in just life overall, what would that advice be and why? I would say you're way better than you think. Like, just because that keeps, I look back and that held me back from doing things. Not always, but held me back and it took more for me to do things. You know, like, like, um, it's so interesting how a simple thing in mindset can change your life, uh, like literally make you a lot of money. I'll give you a very, yeah. a very simple example. I used to do these private dinners in San Francisco, which was for entrepreneurs, right? And it was just like get together, share our journeys, whatever. The last one I did, one of the last ones I did, there was a guy there who ended up raising uh, the round for his first seed round for his company in Angelus a month later. And a few guys at that table put in a 25K check. I didn't at the time, even though I talked to him later, he was showing me the, like, how great they were doing. And I was like, I use your service. I love it. I, I'm such a fan. Because at that time, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm just an entrepreneur. I'm not an investor. I don't know enough. Right? Even though all my, like, it's, I know very smart people who are in it. Well, that 25K made those people probably like 16 to 25 million. You know, that company's called Uber. Oh, my goodness. Right? No <laughs> so, way. So <laughs> the one thing I would tell myself is you're, you're better, you're better than you think. Wow. Like you don't have to, like, I always thought I'll be an investor when I reach a certain point, when I know enough or, yeah. or this, that. I knew enough at that point when he told me, his, I remember going into First Run Capital's offices and it was just maybe a couple of people in the, in the company. He was showing me his first week's revenue. He was so excited. He was like, look, I think they had like $70,000 that week. And I was like, dude, this is great. The hockey stick up yeah. and to the right. I'm like, congratulations. What I should have been doing is if I just shift my mindset, like, hey, I could put money in my friend's company. Oh, <laughs> you know? wow. like, so I think just something along the lines of you're better than you think. And you learn that as you get older. You're like, shit, I just wish I'd known there earlier. Yeah. You know, it's, 
Yeah, nothing. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's no, profound or not, but it's just yeah, simple. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. I, I love that answer. Um, last question before we wrap up here, Kamal. You know, you, you talk about loving yourself. And of course, I'm going to make sure people can click the link down below to grab your book. Thank you. But what's a, a tactical piece of advice, you know, before they pick up the book, before they dive into it, that someone can apply today to love themselves more? I mean, look, there's a question I often ask myself, and I found this, I made this part of the practice, um, which was if I was ever at a crossroads or, or if I was making decisions, and, I would, and this takes practice because if we're just used to automatically making bad choices, you know, yeah. I don't know why we do that, <laughs> but we do. It was if I loved myself, and the if is very important because it doesn't, the mind can't go, well, I don't, but if I love myself, what would I do? A very simple question. You can use it in any situation in your entire life. There's not a situation it doesn't apply to. Yeah. And then you answer that. Then it's up to you to follow it. But then you can't lie to yourself. I'm a big believer. Don't lie to yourself. Be honest with yourself. Even if you make the poor choice, make it with open eyes. Because when you take responsibility to your, to, for your actions within, something special happens. You become a special kind of person. People feel that. Yeah. So that's a very practical, very simple, anyone can do. I and it was that. just, I came up with this whole practice. And basically, in the larger version, I decided to sit down and write the manual for loving yourself, right? And this is part of that. But it's, I love this. It's very simple. You know, you can use it for, yeah, I can't think of a situation yeah. that wouldn't apply. No, I, I love that. Well, um, I know you haven't been on social media for a little over a year now, but this is going to be on social. Okay. And if people are watching and for people that, are, that have watched this far, where's the best place that people can stay in touch with you, buy your book, and just stay connected with you I along mean, your journey? I'm going to go back at Instagram and Twitter and all the usual. Well, welcome back. Well, thank you. <laughs> Actually, today I, yeah, today I was on Twitter because of what's happening in Ukraine. I wanted yeah. to see what was happening. Um, but I'll go back you know, because a lot of my readers reach out to me over yeah. there. And my email address is in the book. Yeah, you know, and just email me. Yeah. I'll, I'll respond. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm friendly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, everyone watching or listening, and of course, Kamal, thank you so much for coming on today. And if you're still watching this far, make sure you subscribe to the Casey Adams Show. And of course, thank you so much to the Blue Wire Studios for having us here in Vegas. I'll talk to you guys soon. Dude, you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.